Let's Get Growing is live streamed Saturday mornings on the Urban Gardener YouTube channel at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. So be sure to come join us for all the great gardening conversations. Welcome, gardeners. My name is Allison. And I'm Alex. And we're from New, New York. York. You're watching the Urban Gardener channel. Now, now let's, let's get, get growing. growing. Welcome, gardeners, to Let's Get Growing, your weekly gardening live cast here on the Urban Gardener channel. And I'm Enoch. I'm your host for today's show. And this week, we have an exciting show for you. Our featured guest is Lamanda Joy, author of Start a Community Food Garden and co-founder of the Virtual Garden Festival, The Great Grow Along. We also have with us for our channel of the week, the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener, and we're following the Little Green Shoot on Instagram. So be sure to stick along with us here to check out all of those really great guests that we have for today's show. It's really great to have all of you here with us for this week's show. And if you're joining with us live, be sure to get into our chat box. Let us know what you've got growing in your garden this year or at this moment and uh, be sure to uh, leave us a comment if you're joining with us on the replay down in the comment section below and uh, give this show a big thumbs up hit that like button and be sure to hit also the subscribe button so you can follow along with all of our fun garden adventures here on the urban gardener channel and also be sure to share our show with all of your friends and uh, garden friends out there in your garden community and let them know all about our really fun show that we have here each week on Saturdays. And one last thing, be sure to check out our website at letsgetgrowing.live. Go down to the bottom there and sign up for our seasonal newsletter and check out all the information on our upcoming and past shows. And also this week, but uh, this week's question of the week that we have is, what is your favorite garden tool and why? So that's our question of the week for this week. And uh, if you're all joining with us live, be sure to get in the comment section there. Let us know about that. And we'll probably feature some of your answers to that question here in just a little bit on the show. All right. So this week... I have myself been finally able to get out into my garden spaces. The weather's starting to look really nice. We're going to finally be able to dig in and get things started. We've been sowing seeds. And I went out because I didn't have much of an opportunity to get a lot of some of the colder season types of crops started. I did check out one of my local nurseries this week and picked up some plant starts to transplant into the garden. So things out there are finally starting to look really nice. We're cleaning things up. Gardening is really getting going. It's getting more and more exciting. And um, really looking forward to everything finally starting to bloom and grow and everything throughout the garden spaces. This is one of the great times of the year for us to be able to get things going. And it's really exciting. I know all of you gardeners out there probably feel the same as well, too. Um, and things really start growing and we get uh, all of the, our favorite things planted out into the garden. So 
yeah, looking forward to all of the things growing on in our garden. So you can check out all of that uh, stuff that we've got growing on and the different things for this week's garden journal. We'll have that up for you all here tomorrow on Sunday. So you can check that out as well on our Urban Gardener channel to follow along with all of the things that I'm growing and doing outdoors and uh, going to be a really good video there. Hopefully we'll be able to have that up for you each week on Sundays, our garden journal. So, And uh, also all of the other things too. We're all, we are uh, publishing and putting out each of our sections of this show too throughout the week so you can check that out as well throughout the week so it's a good reason to you know hit the subscribe button and also hit that bell notification so you can be notified of all of these different videos that we have coming up on our channel and then again to be sure to leave some comments and hit that like button i really like hearing everything that you all have to say about all the different things that we have growing on here so Right off the top of the show, it's time for us to get started with our first segment from our friend Mark Roche Colbert. It's time to get in the garden. Hey guys, it's Mark BC, Mark Roche Colbert. We're here for another episode of It's in the Garden. What? No, it's in the garden, in the garden with NBC. <laughs> What's that all about? Anyway, um, you can see that it is, look at the sky again. Wasn't this the same thing I was doing last week? In fact, it's Friday. I'm almost with you live this week. If I would have waited one more day, I could have been live. Uh, I have been waiting to shoot this video to get some clear skies, to get some nice sun, to get some dry weather. It hasn't come. It is very lightly raining right now very uh almost a mist so i just decided let's just go do this it's not going to get any better literally we had these beautiful three or four suns out at the end of the week going into the easter weekend and then they just kept getting pushed back 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 it's always the way in the spring bait and switch bait and switch anyway i'm here today to talk to you about when to transplant when to direct seed what are the differences and why do you want to do this and today it's so important that I made up some little note cards. There's so much to share and I want to get it all down. So I'm, I'm using these uh, blank poker cards, which are actually playing cards, um, poker size playing cards. Uh, they're actually great for taking notes. And the key word for today is it depends. Okay, so um, there's no hard and fast answer. Uh, there's very few things that I will only transplant or only direct seed. I'll mention some of those as we go along in the video, but for most vegetable crops, it's either or. Um, by transplant, I mean raising something indoors and then putting it in the ground. And by direct seed, I mean just taking the seeds and dropping them into the earth, right? Even here, you can see there's a little something funky. These are radishes, but they're actually sprouted. I'm going to talk about that in a minute, too, toward the end of the video. Anyway, let's get down to it. I want to review some of the pros and cons of direct seeding and transplanting with you so you'll be able to think this through on your own as well and make the decisions about whether you want to direct seed something. In other words, take it right out of the seed packet and put it into the earth or purchase a transplant or grow your own and then with those in the ground at the appropriate time. So let's talk about the pros. Um, first of all, direct seeding, there's nothing special needed. 
boom, nothing special. Um, just you got your seed packet, you got your soil. Of course, you're going to have to take care of your soil one way or the other. Uh, but aside from that, aside from your regular care of, of the garden, just as a garden, uh, whole garden, you don't need to do anything special. I'm assuming you're going to be watering your garden when it needs it. When the soil is moist, that's fine. Uh, with direct seeding, you can just put your seeds in and let nature's water take its course uh, and help you get the, the seeds to germinate. Or you may need to water, but you need to do that in your garden anyway. So no problem. Um, there's no increased hazard in terms of drying. When you get your transplants and you're taking care of them, uh, they're in a very small little package of soil. And as that plant grows, it's going, its demands on that little small package of soil are gonna become greater and greater. There's a high likelihood at some point that you might overlook something, not water enough, and thereby create some water stress for that transplant. So by direct seeding, whatever moisture is in the soil is available to your plant, and it's gonna go try to find it as it grows and matures. Um, roots naturally grow. There's no issue of being root bound, right? Here, let's look at that one. DS, Direct Seeding Pro, roots naturally grow. So there's no issue of, of your plant getting root bound in a pot and just having nowhere to go. We oftentimes buy transplants at a store and we see those spiraling roots and we have to correct them. Otherwise we know the plant's growth is not going to be good. It's going to stay very localized. Uh, and will become stunted. So with direct seeding, that's not an issue. And the last uh, and really important one is that your veggies are exposed to the sun and temperature conditions that will be part of the garden, of their life in the garden. Again, when you grow things indoors or you take something from a greenhouse, that's a protected environment and you must transition that crop to the UV light that's coming down from the sun to the temperature fluctuations that are already present outdoors. And that takes some time and some skill. With direct seeding, your crops are gonna respond naturally to that. Um, let's look at the cons of direct seeding. Okay, those are the pros. It's basically kind of easier. Nature's doing the thing for you. Um, you have, yeah, weeds to deal with. So I, there's four cons here. Weeds, temperature, uh, the, period of drought or dry and the time waiting. So weeds are obviously specialized plants that have fast germination rates and they're gonna be trying to outpace your crop and they'll probably evolutionarily do a better job at it. So you're gonna have a lot of weed pressure. Uh, the temperature of the soil is a big factor in getting things to germinate. And because the soil is often waterlogged at this time of the year, it's gonna be slow. It's going to be uh, cooler than the air temperature going to respond more slowly. So if you get an 80 degree day, you're thinking, oh, this would be a great day to germ for my crops to germinate. That soil might still be in the 40s or 50s. It's going to have a lot of lag time before the soil temperature gets up. Uh, later on in the season, the soil can get dry and you're going to have to provide a lot of water to get those seeds to imbibe what they need and, and, and start on their journey. And then there's this downtime that uh, you just spend waiting for the seeds to emerge. And especially in cool soil conditions, something like peas, for example, that can be up to a month. So your garden can look barren and vacant, vacant for up to a month, uh, nothing apparently going on. And you're, you're spending all that time waiting when you could be growing something there. All right, let's switch over to transplanting. The pros are you get an early start in the season. 
and that can be either convenient or essential. What do I mean by that? Convenient is like, hey, I have lettuce and I'd like to get my lettuce out a month early. Uh, I, can, I can get a head start on things that way. Essential is I've got tomatoes, I've got peppers, I've got eggplants. I've got things that if I direct seed them, they're going to grow, but they're not going to mature enough fruit in my climate. It's not, they're not going to have a long enough growing season to mature and ripen their fruit. So even though I do, I can plant them from seed in the garden and eventually they will sprout. They don't have a long enough growing time. I'm not going to get what I want out of that. Uh, whereas lettuce, something like lettuce, I could put it in the ground and I am going to get what I want out of that eventually. So uh, we grow certain things in transplants like tomatoes, eggplants, and lettuce because it's essential to get the fruit that we want if we're in a northern climate. And other things like lettuce just because it's convenient. Uh, we get, this is a great part of the Transplant Pro, you get an Instagarden, Instagarden. And that's a succession aid. Well, what do I mean by those two things? Well, first of all, you can go from having bare earth one minute to having a full planted garden the next. That's kind of fun. Instant transformation. You take stuff that's been growing somewhere else and you just put it in to your garden and now it's growing there. Instant. Also, a uh, succession aid. In our gardens, it's very advantageous to keep crops growing as continuously as possible. We don't have a lot of downtime if we want high production. So in order to do that, when we're pulling out one crop, imagine having something else that's already growing that we can put in its place. Of course, we could put seeds there, but then again, there's going to be some lag time for those seeds to germinate and get up to a place where uh, they can start to uh, you know, fill in the garden and make it look good and productive and full. So if you have something that's already been grown and you can just pop it in, so much the better, so much the faster. Um, you can use less seeds when you transplant. In other words, you can, uh, when you direct seed, you have to overseed in order to account for some that aren't going to make it. When you transplant, even if some don't make it, you're not planting those in. You're only taking the ones that succeeded and again, you can, because conditions are so ideal, generally, where you're growing them as transplants, either indoors or in a greenhouse, you're going to get a much greater germination of the seeds that you do plant. So you don't have to plant as many. So it's a little more economical. Um, the other thing is, too, by planting a bigger plant, you can overcome, I didn't make a card for this, but I just thought of it, you can overcome some of the hazards that, uh, that can attack or destroy young seedlings. I'm thinking of uh, predators and, and, and uh, you know, some of the mollusks and some of the arthropods that love to devour our crops as just as they're coming up. Sometimes we never really even see them. And we think, what happened? Am I a bad gardener? How come I'm not getting a good result? Uh, well, something may be mowing your crop down right as it emerges. And when you have a transplant, you've got that much of a stronger plant, a head start to get going. Let's talk about the cons because transplanting has some cons too, some disadvantages. Materials, time, watering, and dedicated space. You've got to have all the stuff that's needed, everything from the potting soil, the various kind of trays and pots, those have costs. Your time to take care of things, uh, the dedication to water, and then the dedicated space. I'm having this problem right now with peppers. Uh, I plant 10 or 15 seeds in a pot, and then those all have to be transplanted into other pots. So basically, every pot of peppers that I plant for indoor growth expands 15 times. I need 15 times more space at this point in the season. That's a big problem. Um, 
the transitions that are required with transplants, as I mentioned before, when you have uh, your young uh, seedlings just coming up from the soil, they naturally accustom themselves to the fluctuations of temperature and the intensity of the UV. But when you've brought a plant that's been protected and babied essentially from a protected environment outside, you have to transition it both to the level of sunlight and to the temperature fluctuations. So that may mean a lot of shuttling back and forth on your part. Um, let's talk about, so a couple of different ways you've seen this. Uh, for transplants, you can use these coconut pots. These are wonderful because these can be planted entire and they, they mitigate what's called transplant shock. Sometimes when you're pulling plants apart from uh, a plastic pot and you're trying to separate them out, uh, various root systems will react poorly to that or you may damage them. This just allows you to sink everything in. I've had great success transplanting peas with this. Uh, another thing I really like are these plastic cell trays. Uh, these I don't think are longer in circulation. I got them from um, Gardener's Supply. But you basically let the plant grow to the right maturity, let the roots fill in, and then you literally just pop it out with your finger and you've got a, a little block that's ready to go. Of course, there are a whole range of plastic pots, sometimes useful. Uh, sometimes we're trying to avoid plastic, so we're looking for other alternatives. There are soil blockers. You can make a little distinct soil block units that you plant in. And let's see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish off by by giving you a, a middle of the road. So for example, these are radish seeds that I mentioned at the beginning that look a little funky because they're sprouted. These are what I call pre-sprouted plants. It's kind of a hybrid between transplanting and direct seeding. I soak them overnight indoors and I plant them out the next day and they've begun their germination process, which may take a much longer time in the cool soil conditions. So I basically overcome that hesitancy to germinate and uh, put them out and they're going to just spring right out of the ground quite a bit faster. I do this for a lot of my seeds and this allows me to kind of get the best of both worlds. A slightly pampered environment indoors to get going, plenty of water by soaking so I don't have to be applying tons of water to the soil, but then they can grow up immediately in the conditions as they are outside and be totally adjusted to that. Anyway, I guess let's go back to that first card. It depends, right, if I can find it. A lot about, oh God, I can't even find it now. Well, I'll just say it, it depends. So making our choice between direct seeding and transplanting depends on a lot of factors. I hope I've given you some of the pros and cons so that you can start to make decisions for yourself about what fits with your life expectations, the way you want your garden and such. Anyway, we'll see you next week on In the Garden with NBC. Thanks for being along. Lots of great information. And thanks to our good friend, Mark Mache Colbert, for another awesome In the Garden segment. Be sure to check out Mark also at Urban Ag Solutions on Instagram. And you can follow along with more of Mark's gardening and all the great garden knowledge that he has and shares with everybody. Now, I also wanted to kind of step back and thank Allison and Alex from New York for our audience introduction. And if you'd like to uh, be featured at the beginning of our show and introduce our show, also check out our website at letsgetgrowing.live and check out our 
tab for uh, getting involved with the show. And then you can uh, be featured at the beginning of our show as well and help us introduce our Let's Get Growing live cast. Now it's time for our segment of Garden Stories. This week's garden story is from our good friend and a contributor to our Facebook group, the Let's Get Growing group, Wayne Elgin. Now, Wayne lives in Los Angeles, California, and has been gardening for over five years. As a child, he did a little gardening behind the garage in the house where he grew up. So he could say that he has come full circle with his gardening. And the reason for that is that he is now living in the house that he grew up in but his garden space and gardening skills have improved over the years. Gardens in the front and backyard of his house. Living in Southern California allows him to garden all year round. His weather temperature is pretty balanced with the help of uh, the beach weather. Wayne says that his garden is his zen. He takes care of his younger brother, so gardening is very important for his mental health. He started gardening with small pots in the backyard to see what he could do. That worked very well for him. So he decided to challenge himself and search for more knowledge to expand on his gardening journey. Was it easy? Yes and no, but rewarding indeed. Now his garden in the backyard consists of several fruit trees, peach, nectarine, apricot, pomegranate, fuyu, banana, and loquat. These are planted in the ground. Around these trees, he does have several raised beds, which he uses throughout the entire year to seasonally grow whatever he needs to eat and enjoy. In the front of his garage, he has several citrus fruit trees, caracara, Meyer lemon, kumquats, mandarin, blood orange, which all are in containers. He also has avocado trees. He is a big container gardener and loves to grow vertically. His front yard garden has great sun exposure throughout the year, so he's able to utilize the space very well. At the moment, he is growing tons of onions and garlic. Also in the front, he's growing more fruit trees, Valencia orange, mandarin, and Eureka lemon. This area is great for growing watermelons, peanuts, okra, and peppers since they love the heat. He is a believer in growing from seeds, but there's nothing wrong with buying starts from your local nursery. Flowers are grown in the front yard to help with the pollinators. So this is a good gig to have turning 61 years old in April. So awesome, awesome. Wayne is a great contributor and contributes photos and stories about his garden all the time in our Facebook group, the Let's Get Growing Gardening group. So be sure to check down below in the description for links to that Facebook group and you can join along with Wayne and sharing all the great things in your garden as well as go to our website again at letsgetgrowing.live and uh, click the get involved tab and you can contribute one of your garden stories to be featured right here on our show as well. We look forward to hearing all about what you have growing on. And now it's time for our segment on Instagram. Are you following me? Are, 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 are you following me? Are you following me, dude?
this week's Instagram gardener is Carly McClary from the Little Green Shoot. Carly is a teacher, blogger, urban homesteader, and founder of the Little Green Shoot. With humor, grace, and good old-fashioned positivity, she leads you through the process of creating your own urban oasis and productive garden, even in the city. With passion for making things easy and fun, she will help you become more self-sufficient, saving you both money and trips to the grocery store. You can follow her on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, TikTok, and her website, thelittlegreenshoot.com. Um, so, all right, let's welcome to the show, Carly McQuarrie of the Little Green Shoot. Hi, Carly. How are you doing? Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Nick. It's so nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Awesome. I really love your Instagram. You do awesome things, and uh, it's really great to follow along with you there. So, um, right off the bat, I want to ask you, what? got you into gardening what was one of your first gardening experiences i love that question i love like origin stories where people got inspired to do whatever That's they're what doing we're all about sure. <laughs> <laughs> stories are so great um so i actually didn't grow up gardening there weren't a lot of gardeners in my life but i have a couple experiences that i feel like really shaped me and one of them was um my grandma grew up or i grew up going to my grandma's house right on the Puget Sound. And she had a, um, my, my papa was like a character and he would do these crazy things. Like they lived in a house on stilts in New Guinea until my dad was in fifth grade. Like you've got fool's gold, like some scam like that. And um, one of the things that he did was he came home with these two goats one day and they were in a small town, but they had no property. So they had this little tiny like tool shed. And my papa comes home with these two goats in like <laughs> this much space. And, you know, goats like to have room, you know. Um, right. So anyways, <laughs> over time, um, after my papa passed away and the goats uh, had moved on as well, my grandma took this tiny little like goat area and made it into this little vegetable garden. And she would make me fried green tomatoes. And I just felt so special and so loved from that. She would grow zucchini and make a zucchini bread. And so I think that like, even though it was just these little snapshot moments of this tiny little space, I think that definitely shaped me as well. And then um, when I was a teenager, my boyfriend at the time got me a job working in nurseries and greenhouses. And it was pretty much all over after that. Like I just completely fell in love with plants and gardening. You know how it hooks you in. <laughs> That's right. It sure does. That's a, similar for me. Once you get started, once you get working with plants, you want to grow everything there is out there for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's really great to also to have kind of that experiences when you're younger too, with a garden as well, too. I've only got very limited ones myself. I started my gardening when I was just a bit older, but it's mm -hmm. the same story. Once you get growing, you want to grow more and more and more. You get hooked. The passion just really takes hold. So what do you like most about gardening when you're growing in your garden? Um, it kind of, it's one of those things I'm sure you feel this way too. It kind of takes all these different aspects of my personality and fuses them into one. So I'm kind of thrifty. I love to save money. 
Um, I'm kind of lazy. I don't like to go to the grocery store. And so having food that's just readily available to me for to pick for free right outside my door is awesome. And then I also, I like to be creative and I love nature and beauty. And so it's this kind of perfect combination where I get to have this great utilitarian thing, but then also it's just beautiful and it's a creative outlet and you can just enjoy. Um, and then another thing that I wasn't actually expecting is the connection to my community. So because I have a small space, I'm out in the front yard a lot where you know my garden's kind of in my driveway. And just the connections I've made with my community through that, um, you know, it's funny as we go down our street now, everyone has the same garden beds that I do. They'll, they'll come by and they'll be like, where'd you get those? Where'd you get those? And so now we're like kind of this posse of these <laughs> metal raised beds in our neighborhood. And um, it's just been so fun getting to know them and all of us kind of starting gardening together. It's been really cool too. Yeah, that's really great too. And, and, I have a similar kind of uh, story of how I got started with doing all of the YouTube and sharing all of my gardening on social media and all of that is I grow on these alleyway spaces running along my house and people are walking through all the time. And I get a lot of my neighbors and people from the community or just come by just to check out what I've got growing on. And it was a lot of them who encouraged me to start sharing everything. They're like, mm -hmm. this is amazing what you're doing here. You need to get out and share this with everybody else. And that's kind of how everything got started for me as far as uh, doing the channel and leading up to this very show too, which is kind of something you never know where things are really going to take you when you get started, huh? I, I agree 100%. And I just, I feel like what's meant to be will always find you. And those things, it's kind of like gardening, right? It starts with the seed of an idea and you just kind of feel pulled towards something and it just kind of uh, grows on and on from there. So that's really neat that you've got the same situation. Yeah. What an analogy to start with a seed and see where it grows, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what are some of your favorite uh, plants that you like growing in your garden? Um, well, I'm, I love variety, so I like to try all kinds of different things um, each year. But one thing I really recommend, especially for people who are looking to save money or people who are in a small place, a small space is herbs. Um, as you know, there's a huge variety of different herbs that you can grow. But the reason why these, I think, are great for urban gardeners is they don't take up very much space. They're pretty versatile. versatile they're pretty forgiving. And I don't know if you've been to the store lately, but the prices of everything is bonkers. But herbs especially, you know, you'll see this little tiny thing. It's like seven or eight dollars. I'm like, I've got this much of that growing right outside my door for free, you know. Um, and so and then, you know, all the health benefits and, you know, I like to cook a lot. And I feel like when you throw some herbs on there, you can just look, look and feel super fancy <laughs> with what you've got going on. Um, I so I think those are a no brainer for new gardeners in the city for sure. Yeah, it's really something to be able to just take something up out of your garden. And especially, like you said, when you look at the prices of things, I was shopping with my daughter uh, recently and she was also looking at some fresh herbs in there. And I was like, oh, my gosh, all of that costs that much. I was like, if you need that, we'll stop by the house. I've got it out in my herb garden. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally. something I just got to doing this week, too, was cleaning out and clearing out and getting everything shaped up for the herb garden this year, too. So, yeah, those are yeah. really good ones. Uh, herbs are a really good one to have for sure. Yeah. 
and vegetables um, too like um i think especially growing vegetables that you can preserve to last all season you know i love to grow tomatoes just like my grandma but also onions and garlic you know we grow enough of those that we don't have to buy those at the store anymore um so that's awesome too salad greens Mm -hmm. yeah garlic's one of my favorites too and i always love you know with garlic is you know you plant them out in the fall and you put them in the ground and then you know winter passes by and next thing you know they're just popping up and shooting up from the Mm -hmm. ground we've got a whole bunch of them popping up all over the garden right now in both of my different spaces i really love garlic my daughter loves garlic Mm -hmm. a lot of the neighbors my friends so i grow a whole bunch of that so i can make sure that i've got some for myself and I can get to everybody else who likes them as well too. So yeah, and it's a sacrifice in an urban garden because they, you know, they can take up to nine months, and it's cool, like you said, yeah. they grow over the winter. But um, you really have to devote some space if you're going to have a nine-month crop. But I'm like yeah. you, it's totally worth it. We put garlic in everything. So yeah, yeah, and I'm always just finding little spaces here, or there. Okay, where <laughs> like in this little corner over here, this little spot over there, and then this uh, last year's lucky enough to get a really cool big plot at my uh, friend's uh, house he's got this really cool corner lot does everything out of his front yard and we put these 20 by 40 foot so we've got a couple of rows of garlic now so not only do we have enough for ourselves but everybody's getting garlic this year that's for sure (laughs) (laughs) well and you can dehydrate it you know you can make it into garlic powder and give it as gifts in the winter too it's just there's so much you can do and then always be sure to save some for your next year's crop too. Yep. And that's um, when you feel super cool. Cause that it's like, I not only don't have to buy it at the store, I don't even have to buy it to plant. You know, it's like you plant it once and then it just is a gift that keeps going for you. Yeah. Yeah. It just, yeah. It multiplies every year for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so we've talked about some of your favorite plants. What are some of those least favorite things that you find that you don't like really growing or presented a challenge to you? or something that you have a hard time uh, having successes with in your garden? So I know we all have them. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You know, one thing that I don't really grow anymore is corn. Um, And it's just because it it takes up a lot of space and resources Mm -hmm. in in an urban garden. And I live in Washington. And so, yes, we can grow corn. But a lot of times you put all that energy, that space sacrifice, you know, it's such a needs so much nutrition. And then, you know, your corn will have be not developed all the cobs or whatever. So that's one that I've just kind of let go. Um, I might try it again one of these days, but I'd rather use the space for something that's a little more productive um, than corn. Corn's delicious, but. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. It's definitely one that takes up a lot of space, takes up a lot of water and nutrients, Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, it really wants a lot out of your garden. But uh, I do. I love corn, too. I love how it just how fast it grows, mm-hmm. you know, but again, you got to have a bunch of them. You can't just have yeah. a couple of plants. So you got to mm-hmm. have a bunch of them so that they can pollinate each other. And again, like you said, it just takes up a lot of space. Right. I've kind of cut back on corn a bit myself. But again, I, I do have this new space at my friend's place. And that's something we've been talking about is like, this is a big, huge stand of corn. But uh, we'll see where that goes. But I have to agree yeah. with you about that taking up the space that it does. 
Well, and in an urban garden, there's so many careful choices you have to make because everything that you decide to plant is a decision not to plant something else, you know? And so as you get going and try different things, you find those things that give you kind of the most bang for your buck and that you truly love. And then you have to let some of those things go, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'd love to grow everything we possibly can, but you're Mm -hmm. right. When it comes to smaller spaces, You've really got to consolidate what you want to grow down to the things that you're really going to be using, the things that, you know, you really enjoy and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, don't take, don't do the things that take up space or present too much of a challenge for you so that you can keep using that space for the things that succeed in your garden. So, so you've been uh, doing all this gardening and sharing online and you know we're here for the instagram segment you've got a great instagram with a lot of great followers what inspired you to get out and start sharing this experience that you were having in your garden it's a little bit like we were talking about earlier it's like you know i feel like you kind of go through life regular and then something just starts to pull at you and it's like that thing where you can't say no it just keeps pulling you in deeper and deeper and I know a lot of people have that experience with gardening and I just like I'm a big gut feeling person and a few years ago I just had this overwhelming gut feeling um, to start doing this and I just think it's really people are um, excited about it and want to learn about it but it's also just really important Um, I think we're going through this major transition um all of us and i think people want to start growing their own food and if i can be a resource and and help uh people with that i would love to be there for that um and it's just fun it's beautiful i love photography i love writing and so it's cool to be able to share on instagram or any of those platforms the different things i like to grow and it's it's nice i have a dedicated instagram for that so i'm not like bothering all my regular friends (laughs) just like i don't want to hear about your garden anymore you know Yeah, that's really great. And like I said, you have a really great Instagram. You got a lot of great followers and you share a lot of really great information. I really appreciate what you do as far as that goes. Um, Do you have any like future plans for your garden or any projects or anything that you've got coming up? Well, personally, my biggest, I hope, future plan, um, I've had a lifelong dream to move to a warmer climate. I'm in, in Western Washington and that's a challenge for me a little bit for my garden, but mostly for me. Um, I would love to get some more sunshine. So that's a personal goal I'm working on. And then with the little green shoot, um, we've got just tons of stuff going on all the time. I just finished um, a bunch of summits that were really cool and some giveaways. But the thing I'm most excited about right now is um, I actually created a course that's totally on demand um, online for people to learn about this and kind of go through the very beginning phases of where it's just kind of a plan in your imagination and then making a garden space, getting planted and then learning how to grow, how to harvest, how to actually cook the things that you use and then even how to preserve them. Um, So I'm super excited about sharing that with everybody too. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds great. And uh, you mentioned you're from Western Washington. Where at in Western Washington? Um, So I live in Vancouver right now, right by Portland, Oregon. I've been here for like almost 20 years, but I'm from the Puget Sound area um, up by Seattle. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I lived in uh, the Kent and Renton area for many, many years. That's where I raised my daughter there and now live just in the southern part of Oregon, down in southern Oregon. So yeah. Oh, nice. 
not too far from each other, some Pacific Northwest yeah. gardeners. So, yeah. Uh, so last question for you today is, do you have any advice or tips for new gardeners? Yes. Oh my gosh. So many things. How do I limit this? Okay. Um, <laughs> I think, I honestly think the biggest thing is mindset. So giving yourself grace for when things don't go the way that you wanted them to. Um, I think people, especially with gardening, for some reason, it's like if something doesn't happen the way they expected, they just immediately consider themselves like a failure. Um, like it's not working, you know, all those things when, they just don't have the skills yet and it takes time to develop. So give yourself grace. Also, I would really recommend, um, you know, starting small and growing what you love. I think a lot of times people grow all kinds of different things and it gets stressful and overwhelming. Really focus on those things you love. Yeah. Great, great advice. And really great to have you here to join with us on our Let's Get Growing show. And thank you again for being here. Thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Awesome. Follow Carly at the little green shoot on Instagram and we'll see you later. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Let's get growing is sponsored by IV organic. Hi, my name is Charles Malky, biologist and plant expert with IV organics, where we grow cool plants and author saving the world with the home garden. Ivory Organic 3-in-1 Plant Guard has seven natural oils that protect your plants, not just from the summer heat, as well as winter cold, but also protects your plants from damaging insects and rodents. The oils in the product include castor, cinnamon, clove, garlic, peppermint, rosemary, and spearmint. These oils are natural insect and rodent repellent oils, which are encapsulated by the base powder, offering your plants months of protection at a time. One application per year will suffice for protection against damaging summer sunburn and winter sun scald. But if the target is pest, application as much as two to three times a year may be necessary. So, all right, let's go over our question of the week. This week's, this last week's question was, what is your favorite garden tool and why and i think a couple of you in our chat left us a couple of comments we've got matthew kazaya says stanley bypass pruners comfortable grip easy locking mechanism pruners yeah that's a real common one we've got Rob's allotment gardening says favorite gardening tool is my hands. You can feel what you grow. That's absolutely true. And we also had a few comments left for us from our uh, Facebook gardening group, the Let's Get Growing group, where we post our question of the week each week, where you can uh, leave your answers to our question to be featured on our future show. And uh, Mac McFarland said that his angle grinder to keep spades and round nose shovels razor sharp on job sites yes that's a good thing to sharpen those up we've got diane corrod says my wheelbarrow so useful for everything yes yes things can get real heavy in the garden <laughs> and uh, teresa van zile says pruners i use it for cutting pruning and shaping 
just love cutting down something that does not belong. <laughs> and Tom Merrick says that he likes his long-handled cultivator, also known as the back saver. Yeah, anything with a nice long handle where you don't have to bend over too much is awesome, you know, especially as we get older. Laura Houston says her wheelbarrow because stuff is heavy, just like we said. Yep, definitely. Things can get heavy. It's great to have a wheelbarrow to move things around. And our friend Nancy Hood also agrees that her hands are her favorite tool. I dig, plant, pull weeds, put mulch on, transplant pluck off bad guys and feed them to the chickens, pray and harvest with them. Definitely. I love gardening with my hands too. That's one of my favorite things. There's nothing like getting your hands in the soil, getting them all dirty and feeling the earth and soil and just really connecting with everything in your garden directly. But uh, some great, great tools that you have there as favorites. This next week's question of the week is, what is your favorite fruit tree? Now, I've got a lot of favorite fruit trees here in our garden. We plant a lot of trees in containers. And I think my favorite right now is the peach tree I've got. But uh, I'd love to hear about what your favorite fruit tree is. You can uh, go and check out our Facebook group the let's get growing group and uh got a link for that down in the description below you can join that group there check out our question of the week leave an answer for us that we can feature on next week's show so now it's time for our next segment our channel of the week hi my name is nathan hey guys what's up i'm rachel Now, this week's channel of the week we have with us from the Wisconsin vegetable gardener, Joey and Holly Baird. This is the Wisconsin vegetable gardener YouTube channel. I'm Joey Baird. And along with my wife, Holly, we produce a number of video series each week on our YouTube channel, as well as our website, the Wisconsin vegetable gardener.com. We have our traditional or original video series, The Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener, as well as a newer series, First Garden, New Gardener, tackling the problems that a new gardener would face, as well as straight to the point. No waiting around, we dive right into the topic at hand, as well as those who are limited on time, our weekly 60-second garden tip help provide them a lot of information very quickly. Our pride and joy is the Gardening with Joy and Holly radio show. In 2023, it will mark its seventh season. We do it in-house as well as broadcast it on our YouTube channel. It is a love that we have that we have created from a one station in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And now, in 2023, we will be broadcasting on 20 AM and FM frequencies across the United States. It will be heard in parts of 26 states march through october we have funded the show through multiple sponsors that we work very diligently on in order to pay for the airtime that is who we are joey and holly baird of the wisconsin vegetable gardener youtube channel 
So, all right, let's welcome Joey and Holly Baird of the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener to the Let's Get Growing show. Well, thank hey, you, Joey. Hey, Holly, how are you doing? Good, we, how are you? Doing we great. are good. Awesome, awesome. It's really great to have you guys on our show this week. And um, I see that you're there where you do your radio show. Yes. Yep, in our in-house studio. We Our first three years of doing the radio show, we started in 2017, we went into the studio and did it, and that was a learning experience. And then by just fortunate, fortunate uh, I guess, circumstances prior to the pandemic, we said, we're on too many stations. We just can't do what we do in a, in a, in a studio. We have to create our own. So we were able to work through the pandemic in our home studio and without any problems. Yeah, yeah. I think that time of you, that time of our lives has really kind of showed us to be a little bit more self-sufficient. And, uh, you know, again, too, that's so kind of how my whole idea for my own home studio kind of got started as well, too. So we talk a lot on our show about garden stories. I've got two of you here, so I'm sure that we've got a couple of different uh, garden experiences. How did I'll let each of you take a turn there. How did each of you get started in gardening? Yeah, so I grew up in the city of Milwaukee, and we had a small, very small backyard garden. It was probably about four by four, four by six, but it was something that we grew vegetables every year. And my parents did have some landscaping plants. I remember having a bleeding heart bush specifically. And then we also landscaped behind our, or not landscaped, composted behind our garage. So we had a little compost pile and we would throw sunflower seeds in it every year and grow some nice sunflowers because it had a nice southeastern exposure to the, to the sun. So that was my experience in gardening. And then I met Joey and he was a totally different type of gardener. Um, I grew up in Southern Illinois on a large farm. We always had a, some type of large garden. So as long as far as I can remember, we have always always gardened on the farm in some form or fashion. It was always as many things as we could grow because we had the space. And mom is a very heavy in canning. So we would put up 20 or 30 quarts of ketchup a year, uh, multiple quarts of green beans, grape juice, grape jelly, fill in the blank that we, we can that. So that's the experience that I had growing up. Uh, never knew anything different. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It's good. Great different stories there that you have. So when you guys met and all of that, when did you guys, I mean, what, did you guys immediately start gardening together or did you find yourselves through gardening or what was your first garden? So I think our first garden together is, um, so I, I had moved to the St. Louis area for a job transfer and that's where I met Joey. Who's 14 from, days later and we've been together yeah. ever since. Uh, <laughs> I met Joey who's from Southern Illinois. So he's from the South, the Southeastern part of way down there. Wait, yeah. Southeast from St. Louis. And, um, we we eventually grew i think it was tomato and peppers, and peppers yeah, uh -huh. yeah and, and containers I, on the on your balcony yeah and then i remember chasing off was it a raccoon or yep. a possum raccoon. something like that yeah and then eventually we moved to another place and grew on our patio and then after we moved back to or i moved back to the Milwaukee area joey came with me my mom has this huge backyard for a city and she's like if you want to turn this into a garden please go ahead that means i don't have to mow the grass and that's where we started to to really garden together on a larger scale. 
Yeah, awesome, awesome. So, what were some of those first plants that you guys got started? Well, I guess you mentioned tomatoes and peppers that you did on a balcony and everything. But when you got into the ground space and really started gardening, what were some of those favorite plants that you guys started growing? I think root crops, aside from the tomatoes yeah. and peppers, just being able to grow onions, beets, potatoes, were definitely exciting not that you can't grow root crop, crops in containers it's just a lot i think easier in the ground right a 10 foot row of potatoes produce a lot more than three five gallon bags yeah uh, grow bags on a, on a, a patio yeah <laughs> yeah for some of us we're just kind of limited to be able to do that sort of stuff but it's always awesome if you do have that in-ground space to be able to really expand it out like you said you could get a lot more potatoes and that's for sure so I seem to kind of garden those in containers for fun when it comes down to it, because you only get so much. And, so, and you want to grow something, if you're in containers, you want to grow something that's going to continue to produce like uh, basil or yeah. rosemary or tomatoes, where it's a continual harvest throughout the year. It's not just one and done. That's right. That's it's right. great. Yeah. It's like I spent all this time for four potatoes. <laughs> you know, and that's, you know, that's one of the things that I say, like, I've done a couple of videos, you know, each year on the container potatoes. And it's one of the things I always say is that it's, you never know what you're going to get until you right. pull those up out of the container. You don't know what's down in the soil there. I had so many years of just these big, beautiful potato plants coming up out of these containers. Just looks awesome. And so my hopes are really high. I'm like, oh, this is really great. And then you only get a couple of little ones out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but still, you know, kind of fun to be able to do that anyways. But again, you're totally correct when it comes down to it. Growing in the ground when it comes to potatoes and root crops is probably the best way to get the best type of harvest out of those. So what are some of your uh, least favorite plants to grow in the garden? I know you're a really good gardener and all of that, but there's got to be some that really present kind of a challenge to you, right? For some reason, we cannot grow broccoli or cauliflower. We can grow other brassicas like kale, cabbage, even um, Brussels sprouts. We do great but, Brussels sprouts. Yeah, but broccoli and cauliflower, for some reason, just don't do well for us. We we yeah. have friends who live in the same area who can do that. I don't know why it doesn't work out for us. And it's not a huge deal because you can purchase things like that at a farmer's market. But it, it was frustrating. Right. And, and you, we can take that two square feet of where that uh, cauliflower or broccoli plant would be and throw a tomato plant in there or a cucumber. And we're going to get a lot more production out of it and spend the two dollars somewhere else and buy buy the pl plant that we can't grow because tomatoes in the summer are uh, next to gold in most areas. The, the, mm -hmm. the volume or the, the value of them, uh, because there's nothing else that's comparable to them. But doing that uh, yeah we cannot grow that uh broccoli or cauliflower at all there's years when we have uh potatoes we did fairly decent a uh, couple of years in the garden that you see on the uh, video series and then that really diminished and we've done everything possible to make that happen so we have stopped growing potatoes holly's sister's backyard we can grow potatoes phenomenal every year no questions asked and that's about eight miles as the crow flies so you learn when you do this enough, as you found out, there's certain things that I could fight and fight and fight and make it grow, or I can just put something in there that's less of an effort and get more of a production out of it. And then I can buy 
supplement the, the difference at a farmer's market. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, if something's taking up the space and isn't doing too well, you could definitely be doing something else. And similarly for me, I mention each and every week here actually pretty much is that uh, brassicas are my challenge as well. Um, I did have somewhat success this last year with my broccoli. I'm hoping this year we do even better. But, you know, like you said, too, it's amazing. I've got neighbors, I've got friends that are here locally who grow some amazing broccoli, grow some amazing cabbages. And just for some reason in my space, it just doesn't work out as well. I'm sure I there's something that has to do with my gardening and, and, and how I'm getting them out there in the garden or taking care of them or something, I'm sure in, in the long run. But uh, it's, it's a challenge that I, you know, I tell myself each and every year, we're going to win this challenge. <laughs> I'm going to grow some broccoli this year. And uh, hopefully that'll work out this year too. So for you guys, you so we've talked about your garden story. We've talked about how you guys got started gardening and all of that. And you've been growing all of these different things in your different spaces and everything. And somewhere along the way, you thought, well, let's start a radio show. Let's start a YouTube channel. Let's get out and share what we're doing in our garden experience. So what inspired you all to uh, you know, get everything started and sharing? You you do the YouTube and I'll take care of the radio. Okay. All right. So we started with a Facebook page and I, has it always been the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener? It's, it's morphed a couple of names yeah. in order to get what it is now because of the way it was set up on, on Facebook. Yeah. So we started the Facebook page for gardening tips for people in the Midwest, Wisconsin, et cetera. And then we would just offer tips, post pictures, share things, you know, how social media is. And then in 2011 yes. i believe yeah i had won a video camera from work um a small like this kodak almost gopro but not and we actually now yeah. own a number of them um that we've purchased throughout the years and joey was like what are we gonna do with this and i was like let's make garden videos and so he neither like, one of us has, has any no. level of videography experience whatsoever if you want to see a, a rough a rough first video just scroll all the way back yeah um on our youtube channel so yeah so then we started doing that and then we upgraded to a better like a what's it called wireless, wireless mic mm -hmm. and we still use these um very simple basic cameras and we've talked about upgrading but they they do work well so um that's how we we got into making the youtube videos and 2200 videos later we're still doing it yeah and then um we had always kind of pushed around the idea of, you know, we do these YouTube videos. We had got mentioned and, and featured on a couple of local uh, newscasts here in the Milwaukee area. And we said, well, why don't we do, I'd like, you know, let's try to do a TV show. You know, everybody wants a TV show. So we had in the process of doing the YouTube channel, we had stumbled upon a, a guy named Joe Lampo. We didn't know who he was. Uh, and then we started messaging him and he said, Hey, why don't you give me a call? I'm on my way down to uh, Atlanta on Saturday morning. So I call him. Well, first of all, Holly and I start Googling him and figure out this guy's, he's got this show and that yeah. show. And this guy's a big he's guy. He's not just some guy. So we talk, I talked to him for two and a half hours and he said, here's some things you need to start doing. And here's some things you need to stop doing. And in the process of that relationship, uh, we reached out to him and said, hey, we'd like to have a garden radio show in Milwaukee or a garden uh, video, a garden TV show. And he said, everybody wants to have a garden TV show. Do radio. That's where it's at. Get on whatever station you can, the tiniest little station. That's where you want to be. 
Well, we had posted some videos in a, in a local group on Facebook here, and somebody said, you need to have a radio show. So we, again, having no experience whatsoever in marketing or radio or anything like that, broadcasting, we stumbled through 2015 to try to broadcast for 2016 and failed miserably. We had a podcast. Yeah, we had two, yeah. We had two years of podcasts. Yeah. And, and we have one sponsor that's still with us from those years, uh, rootmaker.com. And so we stumbled and didn't, be, we made 1% of the budget that was required. We have to pay the airtime for all the stations we're on. And through sponsorship, we're able to do that. So then in early 2016, at, we were both full-time employed and I got laid off at the job I was at. Got a good severance package, the whole deal. And I said to Holly, let's try this radio thing one more time since I got a little time. And you didn't I want, you were not happy with it because of how bad it failed in 2015. <laughs> for 20, burned. Yeah. Um, so we got a hold of Mike Novak, Nikki Jabor, Doug Oster, and said, hey, here's what we're attempting to do. You've done it very successfully for many years. What are, tell us what you know. Uh, tell us what we should know that, you know, enough to, to help us out. And we had conversations with him. And from there on, uh, we reached out to companies and said, here's who we are. Here's what we're doing. You want to sponsor us? And that first year, we had 18 sponsors. And now, you know, seven years later, we're on not one station, but 20 stations. And we have currently 27 sponsors. And the stations are giving us extra replays because they're getting so much. Uh, so, so many people are wanting to listen that can't listen when the show originally airs. Uh, so that's where we're at seven years later and we've built a massive database of companies local to each market and nationally that we work through each year in order to get the the responses and the the amount the the yeses to pay for the airtime excellent yes persistence pays off right there's a lot of you got to have a lot of uh patience because you're going to get a lot of no's as yeah. of right now we're setting i have gotten 966 no's to the 27 yeses that we've gotten for sponsors this year. That's right. You got to stay on it. And that's kind of similar for me is when I first got started with my YouTube channel too. And I agree with what Holly was saying. Go back to my old catalog and see some really, really <laughs> fun and creative videos for sure. But, but as long uh, as we are better, the next video, we, we learn from each video and we get better. That's, that's the goal here. Yeah. There's one. Yeah video in our basement and the lighting is so terrible <laughs> but the audio is good the audio is good, audio is good. Yeah. That's, what, like, that's what they say as long as your audio is good you're good to go you yeah. know but uh <laughs> definitely and then you know similar to what you were saying there too there were there were several different instances where you know i'm like i want to expand my channel into interviewing and meeting other gardeners and all of that and you get plenty of no's right off the bat in fact, one quick story I'll mention is how I met our friend Mark Lachey Colbert, uh, who does our In the Garden segment at the beginning of the show. I was out, you know, just reaching out to different places. He works in this really cool four-story building that has a rooftop garden on it that supplies all of their vegetables and food for the restaurant down below. And I thought this was the coolest thing. It would be a really cool feature for my channel. So I sent them an email and I was like, hey, I've got this YouTube channel. I'd love to come by and do a little feature on your rooftop garden. And the, all I got back from them was this uh, uh, email that says, thanks, but we'll pass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, again, back to the idea of persistence, though, too, was, you know, I looked at their website, noticed that they had a 
public viewing. They were, you know, you could do a walkthrough of their garden that they offered to the public on Tuesdays. And it's like, well, how about if I just stop by and check out the, you know, the public viewing and all of that? They were like, okay, yeah, absolutely. Anybody can do that. So I did. I showed up. I had my just my little phone camera and everything. And they asked me when I showed up, like, are you the one who sent us that email? I was like, yeah, yeah, but you guys seem to want to pass on the idea of doing a video. And they're like, well, you know, we got our our uh, garden caretaker up there. Maybe he'll show you around. And right from there, you know, uh, I, and that built this whole really great relationship and friendship with him and and uh, their business and their rooftop garden. And I've done other videos with them up there and all that since then. But you know, the idea of persistence. You know, keep at it if you've got a if you got a dream and something that you want to do. We find a lot of sponsors that reach out to us or follow us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That that's their biggest mistake. But yeah. they're but they're happy now <laughs> that they've done it because they're seeing the re, the the return on investment with what the productions that we put out. So um, yeah. that's how we find companies. We just dig, dig, dig. And I, I you know, I do this full time. The radio show. Holly has an in, uh, a full time job in house, and. Failure is not an option for the radio show for me because Holly says if we don't make the radio show work, I have to get a real job. And I've been told I don't <laughs> want a real job. That's right. I feel the same way. I would, you know, I gotta make everything work. I don't want to have a real job. I've told right. myself and my friends that same thing. And uh, you know, it was and uh, actually kind of how I found you guys though, too, is you know, I thought of originally after I started my YouTube channel, similar to you guys, I was like, oh, I want to do a radio show. Uh, I've been a big fan of, in fact, early on in my teenage years, started listening to a radio show on the weekends up in the Pacific Northwest by a gardener named Cisco Morris. Mm-hmm. Now, Cisco is one of my favorite. I loved listening to his Saturday morning show and always thought and was actually told years ago, hey, you should do radio. You got a voice for radio. I thought if I ever did that, it would be about gardening and, and something similar to that. So I did. I looked up other radio uh, shows around the country, and that's how I found you guys uh, years ago and kind of been following along ever since and uh, really think that you guys have something really good there. I love listening to your guys' banter. You guys actually uh, communicate well with each other and have fun on your show. And plus, you have a lot of really great guests and everything similar to what we're trying to do here on our show, too. So I encourage everybody to go out and check out Holly and Joey's uh, radio show and uh, YouTube channel for sure, where they also feature a lot of those segments from their radio show. Now, uh, anything else that you'd like to leave us with, or you know, anything? Well, for for people who may just be like you know tuning in to radio or or your program, it's not you just don't sit in front of a mic and, and talk for an hour. There is hours and hours and hours of work to go into yes, produce sir. an hour or an hour and a half program. It's a literally a full time job if you want to do it right and have long term success. Yes. You just can't half it. If you half it, you don't exist. You don't last long. That's right. Go ahead. If, uh, what's coming up or what what projects yeah. we got? Exactly. Do we have projects? Well, coming? we're we're get our seedlings are started now, and when the weather breaks here in Zone oh, Five, yeah. uh, we are we'll one, in the next couple of weeks. We should be in the garden. We should have some in garden videos and. We have turned this YouTube experience into an occupation with the YouTube and then the radio. And that was a hobby at one time. And now that hobby has consumed us to the point where we have to come up with another hobby so we don't get 
crazy and <laughs> go bonkers. So, so we have revisited what we used to do back before we met each other, which is camping and, and outdoor activities. Yeah, that's right. And um, so we started a, another YouTube channel, Time by the Tent channel, and that documents our camping and our outdoor activity stuff. And I don't want that to turn into an occupation, but it's something that we document what we do. Um, in addition to, you know, the, the gardening stuff. And then we are able to somewhat separate the two and have some some off time from one versus the other. Yeah, I told Joey, I said, this is this time by the tent can be an enjoyable, positive thing for us, but it's not going to consume our outdoor right. camping, literal time by the tent time. And he's like, OK. And I'm like, well, eventually I'm just going to throw the camera down and walk away <laughs> if uh, if it starts to consume us too much. So. Um, that's my plan. <laughs> yeah, yes, definitely. Keep it fun. Keep it a pastime. Not know, that, that, not that we don't. I don't hate gardening or anything like that, but it does. It does. The like, focus has changed yeah, dramatically. The focus has changed, and I, I don't mind the structure of having a gardening radio show or anything like that. But definitely want to keep something a hobby. That's a hobby. That's for right. sure. Yeah, yeah, we definitely got to have some variety in our lives for sure. As passionate as I am about my gardens and all of this stuff, you're right about the idea of having a show. It takes a lot of work to put into it to get everything done. And um, definitely really enjoyable. Love it. But, you know, got to have other things that you like to do as well. Right. Yeah. Excellent. So really awesome to have you guys come and join with us here for our channel of the week segment. Uh, really appreciate you being here. We've got Joey and Holly Baird from the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener. Go find them on YouTube. We'll have a link right down in the description. And thanks again for joining with us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So, all right. Now it's the time of a show for our featured guest. This week's featured guest on the Let's Get Growing show is Lamanda Joy. Lamanda is an author, speaker, master gardener, and a firm believer that the world is a better place with more gardeners in it. She is the founder and former executive director of the award-winning Chicago-based nonprofit food gardening education program, Peterson Garden Project, and the author of Start a Community Food Garden, The Essential Handbook by Timber Press. Lamanda frequently speaks on the importance of community and gardening education across the country in both public and business settings. She is co-founder of the Great Grow Along, a virtual spring garden festival dedicated to bringing together the worldwide community of gardeners with great education, connection, and joy. Let's welcome Lamanda Joy to our Let's Get Growing show. Thank you, Lamanda, for joining with us this week. Hi, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. So great to have you here. I'll just quickly share a story about how I came to know you. I was um, years ago, after I've just really started growing my passion for gardening, wanted to expand on some of the smaller spaces that I had. And I wanted to find a community garden in my area, but there wasn't any that was local enough to me. So I immediately thought, well, you know what? If there isn't one that's local enough to me, I'm going to start one myself. 
And then right about the time that I actually thought about this, I was putting out some uh, posts on a Facebook group that I have about the idea of wanting to start a community garden. And someone contacted me and said, oh, you know what? There's actually someone who's already getting the start of process to do one at our local park called Union Park down the street from where I lived. And I thought, oh, that's great. And at the time, I had purchased, purchased your book. Good. Start a community food garden. And uh, with the idea, again, that I was going to do that myself. And then I went and met up with the... Uh, with the lady who was uh, starting uh, the one at the Union Park. And I then le loaned the book to her so that she could make sure she had all the great pointers that she needed in order to get that garden started. And it ended up being a really fun project that we both got involved with together, too. So you really kind of helped us out by putting this book out there, too, and gave us some really good pointers on getting our community garden started. So thanks for writing that book for sure. Oh, I'm so glad that makes me happy. You know, when you write a book, it's sort of like you put it out in the universe. You know, it's like you're sprinkling your magic out there and then you don't always hear, you know, the stories yeah. that happen. But, you know, my number one piece of advice in that book is join a community garden that's already started, you know, like yes, exactly. join forces versus trying to, you know, start on your own. If you must, for whatever reason, then please follow the handbook. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I feel like people joining together is always the best option. Yeah, kind of on a similar tone as what we were talking about with Joey and Holly in the previous segment was kind of like, you know, you get started with a project and you kind of get over, you know, over, not overwhelmed, but over uh, doing the project and letting it consume you a little bit. So ultimately, I was kind of happy that someone else was, you know, taking the lead in putting this community garden together because, you know, for me, it would have consumed everything I was doing for sure. But, it, you know, it still ended up being a pretty good project for all of us. So let's dive back into one of some of our questions. We like to talk about everybody's garden story here on Let's Get Growing. So let's talk a little bit about what was your first gardening experiences? How did you get started in the whole gardening world? Well, I think like many people, I had a family member that was a gardener. In this case, it was my dad, my beloved daddy. And uh, we, you know, I grew up in rural, rural Oregon, a little town called St. Helens on the Columbia River. And we, you know, lived about seven miles from town. And it was a very sort of sheltered, beautiful life. And my dad had a garden. And every year, you know, I got enlisted to work, <laughs> work in the garden. And I can't say that I loved it at the time because, you know, as kids lower to the ground, weeding often was the task that we, you know, were assigned. I'm sure I'm not <laughs> the only person. I know I'm not the only person in that boat. But, you know, many of my very first memories come from gardening. I remember I probably was four years old. I remember running down the path of beets on one side and something else on the other side. And there's this beautiful spider web in between. And I remember, you know, just stopping and just having this moment of awe because of the garden. So yeah, I have a lot of great memories. And I think that that joy, and my father was also a very spiritual gentleman, you know, we lost him in 2013, but he was, you know, very, saw God's beauty in nature. And so he yeah. I think really instilled that sense of awe with the garden and the sense of joy that can, it can bring that I, you know, have carried with me in all the things that I do. Like, you know, I, as you read in the intro, I do believe the world's a happier place with more gardeners in it. 
And I'm sure that that is just a direct um, reflection of my tutelage in the garden with my wonderful father. Yeah, that's really awesome. That's a great story too. A little bit later on in life for me, but a similar thing as I was getting started with my garden, I'd have my daughter around and she's just, you know, she's a little bit older. She's in her early twenties, but she took kind of that same kind of thought like, oh, you know, weeding and all this stuff. I'm not too sure about all of that. But again, through my passion and the things that I've been doing through gardening, she's found it just a little bit more fascinating each and every year. And this year, she finally came to me and said, Dad, I want to grow my own cucumbers like you did that first time that uh, you started gardening, too. So I'm looking forward to be able to help her get her first garden started. But a uh, really great story um, when it comes down to it. I, I really love it how a lot of us can uh, get involved with uh, family members and people we really care about who kind of, you know, teach us and, and kind of get us, uh, you know, started on that passion for growing things and all of that. And you're absolutely right. We need more gardeners in the world. It's even better when there are. And the gardening community is one of the best gardening or, or communities that I've gotten to know anywhere in my life. So again, more, 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 more. And that's what we love to do is be able to share with people and uh, help them grow their passion for growing as well too. So when did you grow your first garden on your own? Uh, I grew my first garden on my own, probably in my early twenties. You know, I um, grew up in St. Helens and then I went to, to the university of Oregon and I went to another school in between, but I was probably, it was probably 92 um, you know, put in my first garden, learned the hard way about sun. I was very excited about having these two raised beds flanking the path up to the house, you know, like the concrete yeah. path. And I didn't think at the time, like, oh, there's a big oak tree there. So <laughs> installed the beds, put in the soil. And there's like, oh, shoot. So we had to move the whole thing to a different spot. But that was my that was my first experience. Yeah, definitely. Those what you know, one of those first lessons that you got to really learn when you're starting your first garden is where is the sun going to be? One of the most important factors for growing the things that we want to grow in our gardens. And you know, I had to learn a similar thing too. I have a lot of south facing walls. So, you know, there's a lot of shade that comes into spaces. So I've had to find and be real creative in in finding places where I can put a garden in in order to ensure that they get enough light. So what, and through this process, you know, you grew up learning to garden, you started your own garden and all of that. And I'm sure after a while, uh, what was it that uh, you ended up like, what did you like most about the gardening experience? Well, I want to fast forward a little bit to my second adult garden. And that's when, um, you know, I was living in Chicago and yeah you know, I had many years where I wasn't able to garden and there weren't a lot of community gardens. And I was living in a condo at one point and I could have sort of rallied everybody, but I really just wanted to grow food. Like my thinking back then was if you can't eat it, why bother? <laughs> so, you know, we put in, we specifically found a piece of a house in the city where it's really tough because you have these ancient trees shading things or not ancient, but you know, you don't want to mess with the trees in a city yeah. or there's a building shadowing it, whatever. So um, we specifically bought a, a house to put in uh, what we called the yarden, 
which was, you know, beautiful full sun garden. That's how I started blogging and, you know, getting really into the food, food gardening thing. So anyway, that was really the garden that got me, you know, going as an adult um, yeah. with the food gardening thing and sort of kickstarted a new life for me. You know, before that yeah. I was in a corporate job and, you know, doing something completely different. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Also something we were talking about before too. It's kind of amazing where once you get started with growing things and that passion kind of builds up inside of you, that it just kind of takes you on this whole new adventure in your life. And it's the same for me, for sure. Definitely. So what are some of those favorite things that you uh, like to grow in the garden? Well, I'm between gardens now because, uh, you know, after almost 30 years in Chicago um, in November of 21, I moved back unexpectedly to Oregon to okay. because my mother had some health issues. And so that sort of changed everything for me. But the stuff, you know, we grew a lot in our yard and like we, you know, we'd have 90 different tomato plants. We'd have all sorts of stuff. But ultimately after <laughs> many years of growing food, I decided that I wanted to grow things that either I couldn't get somewhere else or they would taste better if I grew them myself. So I gave up on growing certain things just because I couldn't really determine like carrots. They're fun, but you know, I didn't feel like they were so much more amazing than the carrots that I could buy in the store. So ultimately the stuff I really loved growing was tomatoes, of course, herbs for the convenience, but I love yeah. growing garlic and I yeah. love growing um, potatoes. You were talking about potatoes in the last <laughs> yes. section, just because um, it's like an Easter egg hunt and they're so beautiful and you can grow so many interesting things. There were more, you know, like I really love growing celery because I thought the flavor was so amazing compared to what you would get in the store. But, you know, that's what it came down for me, sort of a favorite category in, you know, growing my own groceries versus something I could get somewhere else. Yeah, definitely. You want definitely want to make those types of, uh, you know, um, situations where you're figuring out what do I, you know, want to grow versus what can I get, you know, that makes it a little bit easier. So that way, you know, you're really utilizing your spaces for those things that you're really going to use for sure. Any of those uh, or any plants or anything that you grow in the garden that you found to be, you know, kind of a challenge, something that, uh, you know, you found that, uh, you know, you, you weren't getting uh, working out. Like I mentioned, you know, I always try brassicas. Brassicas continue to be a challenge for me, even after all of my years of gardening. And um, any of those for you that you have that you just, I don't know if you've given up on or you're determined to figure out, but present just a bit of a challenge. You know, I would find, now I didn't really have one thing that never worked, but I would find every year something was weird. Yeah. You know, like one year the beans were very difficult and beans shouldn't be difficult. But then I talked to people and they're like, yeah, I'm having a weird time with beans too. So I sort of saw those things happening and it made me feel like, you know, it's another thing of the shared community of gardeners. Like there's something going on, you know, <laughs> something going on that we maybe can't figure out with the weather or something. So yeah. I can't say there was any one thing, but uh, I can tell you the one thing I was glad that happened and grew very well every year. And that's, I'm in love with nasturtiums. So you know, if I had one thing to plant, I would plant nasturtiums everywhere. 
Yes, those are nice. I love the nasturtium flowers and all of that too. Those are great. I actually just started growing those for the first time this last season and found them to be really cool. I really enjoy those too as well. Um, when it So when it comes to growing these uh, different things in your garden, um, what are, so I asked you what the favorite things are uh, and uh, what's most difficult so um, what are some of those things that, uh, you know, again, that um, you're growing that not necessarily a challenge, but you find difficult to grow? Um, you know, I feel like uh, squash and cucumbers sometimes can be difficult because of powdery mildew yeah. or space. So um, I had some challenges with that. I really started growing the smaller bush varieties versus the long trailing things and got very careful about making sure that there was enough airflow around them. So those can, can pose some challenges. I'm really excited right now. And as I said, I'm a between garden, so I won't be able to, you know, try it this year, but I'm really excited about some of the sort of the micro size things that are happening for a container. Yeah you know, calling container gardening, but small space yeah. gardening where they're really meant to not hog up a lot of space and yet produce yeah. full size, big harvests. So yeah. um, we'd had a session for great grow along with uh, victory seed, uh, Dave Whittinger, and he did a thing about best uh, vegetables for small spaces and outlined some stuff, you know, like really people have done a, you know, companies have done a good job with traditional breeding tactics to bring stuff down to smaller sizes, but still having, the good flavor and the good output. So yeah. to answer your question, squash and cucumbers, but I think yeah. that people are coming, I think everybody has those problems. So I think the yes. seed, you know, seed people are, you know, being smart and coming up with solutions for them. Yes, definitely. I've been enjoying some different varieties of things that are smaller for even smaller containers. Even I always get a lot of questions about that too. You know, I, I prefer to grow, say like a five gallon at least. But a lot of people always ask, what can I grow in a two gallon? What can I grow in like a three gallon? And um, one of the ones that I found too, is they have this uh, small micro tomato for everybody yes. else growing tomatoes called orange hat. And so those can grow perfectly in nice, even like a one gallon container yes. and you can just grow a bunch of them and put them all over in different spaces that you can find. So those micro tomatoes are really great. And then, uh, Baker Creek has a couple of uh, lettuce varieties too that grow these really small, like hand size. Um, one of them's called Little Gem. Yeah. I'm not sure what the other one was called, but they have these really small head lettuces and everything too. So you can really kind of, you know, uh, really optimize the space that you have in a small space garden. So the, that really goes in line with what you're talking about. You know, more and more of those type of things would be great. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like um, the definition of gardening is changing over the last decade. You know, like I think 10 years ago when we started Peterson Garden Project, the concept of a raised bed was kind of strange because people were very used to gardening being here's the row of onions and here's the row of this and here's the row of this. So people are now used to raised beds. Great. But I think, you know, uh, food gardening in containers is really um opening up for people's minds. And I think that because of 
you know, some of the great self-watering technology that's happening with like Crescent Gardens. I think they're the leader in it. But, you know, there's other like earth boxes and things like that. People are realizing that they can have a small space, be very productive, and it's not, you know, a ton of work, even just on a balcony. So yeah. that's really been fun to watch the evolution of that. Yeah, that's actually one of my... Uh one of my more popular videos that I have on our Urban Gardener channel is, uh, is uh, how to put together a, a self-watering or, well, they don't really water themselves, but uh, <laughs> a water wicking uh, buckets. And uh, we use five gallon buckets or the two bucket system where you keep a water reservoir in the bottom bucket that, you know, during those hot months just really helps out when it comes to watering because, you know, if you live anywhere there where it gets really warm, you know, that you could be out there two, three times a day trying to keep us a, a container, you know, specifically, you know, uh, watered well enough to not dry out the plant. So these wicking buckets are really perfect for doing those sort of things. So I always can encourage people to give those a try if you have a small space and you can grow almost anything out of a container. You really can. And, that, and uh, I, I think it's important for to keep people interested in gardening because, you know, we had so many people join the gardening family and during yeah. the pandemic, you know, it needs to be easy because they're not yeah. coming to it necessarily from a father like you or my father that you know taught us they're just maybe jumping in and not having that experience so they're learning from social media influencers or they're getting learning from books or what have you and I think that yeah. you know that ease is mm -hmm. important you know because gardening especially what you're saying you can get overwhelmed by weeds you can get overwhelmed by watering you can get overwhelmed yeah. by pests so yeah. as simple as we can make it for people the more chance we have of making the world a happier place with long-term gardeners, you know, like we right. don't want people to jump in and fail and not be happy. We want them to, yeah. you know, like with channels like yours to provide great solutions and information for people to keep it as simple as possible. I think that's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many variable aspects to gardening, so many different things that can present a challenge. And it's one of the things I always tell people, if you're new, don't let some of those things discourage you, you know, but again, too, having those things that help make things easy, similar to what I was talking about with those wicking buckets, you know, they can be placed anywhere. They can be moved around if you need to, if you're, you're dealing with challenges with your lighting in the sun, like you were talking about, you know, just those sort of things that really help uh, gardeners be able to figure out some of those challenges that they're dealing with. And um, definitely, definitely great. So let's move on now too. So you've gotten... Uh, you've been growing and you've been gardening and you've got this different garden experience and all of that. And you decided that you were going to write a book. So what really inspired you to uh, write that book? Uh, start a community food garden. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I had started Peterson Garden Project in 2010 and I was at the time, you know, working uh, in a corporate job where I traveled 80% of the time. So um I wanted to bring my experience as a business leader to my new passion and I dove in, you know, you talked earlier about how it's easy to dive in and become obsessed with something. And I uh, joined the board of the American Community Gardening Association. And what I noticed is that many organizations were wanting to change their environmental or their, you know, their community, impact their community with gardens, you know, whether it was a food garden or, you know, just a, a green space or what have you. And a lot of organizations were popping up like ours, you know, Peterson Garden Project. 
you know, a lot of nonprofits were happening and, you know, people really wanted to uh, use gardens to, you know, create resilience in a lot of ways, a lot of beautiful ways. And so what I was seeing is that everybody was sort of going through the same poodle hoops and there was no resource to learn uh, how to mitigate challenges or just make things happen faster. You know, like I really wanted to share what I had learned with Peterson Garden Project. And, you know, someone, one of the reviewers, we, we, it was, you know, one of the top 10 books of 2014, but one of the reviewers said, I'm not sure this is a book about gardening because the author doesn't talk about plants till page 146. <laughs> and, you know, as you saw, it's like, how do you do an agenda? How do you keep volunteers engaged? These are all sort of the nuts and bolts things yeah. that when people think community garden, they think plants, <laughs> you know, yeah, like we're going to yeah. be able to grow plants, but exactly. If, if you don't form that community and make it easy on the organizers and, you know, the volunteers, then the longevity of it is maybe a little shorter. So that, that was the genesis of it. And um, I was at an event and ran into uh, Timber Press and just said, how come there's no more, there's not more gardens about community or more books about community gardens. And that's how it started. They're like, well, why don't you write one? I'm like, okay, that'd be <laughs> fun. You know, writing a book is a, quite an or, uh, ordeal. Yeah. We had already written and self-published a book for Peterson Garden Project called um, Fearless Food Gardening in Chicagoland, which was yeah. to make it as simple as possible for urban gardeners that had, you know, maybe never grown before. So I kind of knew what I was getting myself into, but it was a lot. It was a lot to write that book. But I... You know, I'm so happy when I hear stories like yours or, you know, sometimes people randomly send me like, I saw your book at the library or I got your book and it changed how we did our garden. You know, it's really nice to be able to um, hear those stories. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely a really helpful uh, book for us when we got our community garden started here locally. And, you know, that was one of the things that I think that was great about the book, as you explain, it's, it's not necessarily about how to grow things it's not necessarily about plants it's literally about getting something started how to organize how to put those things together so that you can have something that's available in your community and then once you've got that started and like we saw in our community garden was all of these people who had never really gardened before as they were walking by as we're getting everything started seeing the seeing it all come together and everything and then started signing up to have their own garden plots so you know just starting a community garden like that in our local neighborhood you know we created as you talked about we created more gardeners you know what i mean and uh, got more people involved with the whole idea you know and I think that's, you know, really great. And it's, you know, it really is, you know, as you say, it's a, it's an essential handbook for sure to getting something like that started. And I think more and more communities could really use more community gardens. You know, um, there's places where there's a ton of them, you know, I know in Los Angeles, there's a community garden, almost every couple of them, almost every neighborhood, they have a ton of them there. But then there's some smaller communities in smaller cities like my, my own that really only had a couple and some of them were just a little too far away for me. So if that's the case for you and you're out there, you're watching us now too. get this book, you know, go start up a community garden in your neighborhood and help us build and develop more gardeners in the world for sure. You know, just a note on that. One of the things that's so hard for gardens is fundraising, um, gardening know-how. I did a series of interviews with community gardens around the country. They offer a grant 
that anybody can apply for. It's open year round. And sometimes, you know, that first little bump of financing, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it's a major piece because lumber costs money, fencing yeah. costs money, soil costs money, hoses cost money. You know, like there's, you yeah. can, you know, hope that your community can donate those things or local businesses will donate them, but sometimes you need a little help. So I think that yeah. that's an important resource. There's other grants out there as well, but you know, don't forget that funding piece because it's, it's, it's really critical. That's very true. And, you know, for us, we were just really lucky that our city just jumped right on board, you know, that's we great. Talk to if we went and talked to a few of our uh, local councilmen and they were just like, oh, this is a great idea. Let's see what we can do. And the city came came out for us and gave us, you know, everything essential that we needed in order to get started. You know, because like you said, there's so many different pieces that really requires some some money coming out of somewhere and luckily for us our community was really helpful with that but again you might not have a community that's that helpful and you might need to reach out and find some grants and some things but there are organizations out there that will help and do that sort of stuff and let's so let's step back too because you also mentioned the uh you are the executive director of the nonprofit education program the peterson garden project so, you know, how did that kind of develop? How did that get started? And, and what, you know, what was its uh, goal and uh, mission? Well, you know, I'd started this garden. I called it the Yarden and I started blogging and I thought, you know, having come from Oregon, I thought yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll reach out and find the other food gardeners. And what I found is that in Chicago, there weren't a lot of food gardeners. And so I was like, oh, you know, for the first time in my life, I felt like I had something that I could share with people. So that was one part of it. Um, the other part of it was, you know, I had this fabulous daddy and, and a wonderful mother as well. And they, uh, I'm adopted and they adopted me sort of late in life and they were both greatest generation. So my mother was a Rosie the Riveter and my dad was in the occupied forces. And so, you know, he'd moved to this new neighborhood and, you know, I was so inspired by my parents and I was sort of hooked on the idea of victory gardens because, you know, in 2009, 2010, the world was going through the economic meltdown, the housing meltdown. Yeah. And so there were a lot of, um, you know, a lot of properties in the city where developers weren't going to be doing anything. Yeah. And so one day I was driving by this empty lot near our house. And, um, you know, I kept, you know, we had just moved to that neighborhood. So I was just trying to get a lay of the land and support the local businesses. And I was standing at the, at the butcher counter one day and there was this photo on the wall of a world war II victory garden. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. And I was talking with Ruben while I was waiting for my chicken. He was explaining what he knew about it. And then one day I realized that the lot that I had been sort of eyeballing was the lot in the photo. Yeah. And I, you know, I almost killed us <laughs> because I'm like, it's the lot for the picture, the lot for the picture. And my husband's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Pull over. You're going to kill us. And so, um, you know, that's really was the impetus. There's this empty lot. And I had been reaching out and I knew people wanted to garden and maybe I could contribute something. And that's how that's how all that started. Um yeah. You know, our goal was always teaching people. It wasn't long-term land acquisition. We knew these gardens were short-term, so we called them pop-up victory gardens. And over the course yeah. of my involvement, you know, we had 12 of them. And these are big gardens. You know, we had like 25,000 yeah. people go through this program, you know, over the course of the 10 years that I was involved. But we really, it was yeah. really about teaching people because 
many community gardens become sort of like an insular thing, you know, like here's the 20 people that do it and, you know, it's our thing, stay out. And that wasn't what we wanted. We wanted places where people could learn, they could have the resource available to learn. You know, back then we would do a, like an organic plant start sale, veggie sale, because, you know, a lot of garden centers weren't selling organic veggies at the time. You know, yeah. it was, it was just a little bit of a different world. It's kind of like what we're living in now is kind of the dream come true. You know, like there's all sorts of garden education available. The volume is turned up on organic and the benefits of that. And so, you know, the mission of really teaching people, I feel like we really fulfilled it in the 10 years that I was the, the leader of that organization. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a really great project and something that was really kind of needed in your area. And uh, that's something that still goes on today. They still Well, you know, I stepped down as executive director in 2019 and then the pandemic happened. And so uh, Peterson Garden Project is now those gardens are turning back over to the communities where they're at instead of like the big okay. overarching thing, we've sort of developed yeah. it. And now it's going back to the people that, you know, the neighborhoods so they yeah. can manage it. Yeah, you built it up and now you're letting them run with it and take care of it. So that's really great though, that you're able to do that. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to bring you on the show for, our very first guest and a really good friend of mine is uh, Wendy Fan. Yeah, I love Wendy. Wendyland.com. And uh, she's a really good friend of our channel and, and done a lot of different interviews with us. And uh, one of the things she was mentioning on her appearance on our show was the great grow along and uh, being involved with that there too. So you are the co-founder of the great grow along, which is actually a virtual spring garden festival. Yes. <laughs> You ready for me to pontificate about the great oh, girl? Yes, I'd love to hear all about it. Well, first, I'm sorry that we weren't able to chat when it was going on, but it's yeah. it is a massive endeavor. Um, you know, we started after I did Peterson Garden Project. I really felt that I wanted to create um, sort of a new type of garden center where it was education based and organic and as many sustainable products as possible. So we started um, a business called City Grange in 2019, which is the worst possible time to start a new business. <laughs> Plus, I had my family situation happen in 2021. So we were not able to make the traction with that that we wanted. But in 2020, at the end of 2020, you know, I had come from the event industry before, you know, I started left and started doing gardening. And my husband was also from the event industry. He's one of the co-founders. And we had this um, partner who is in the um, PR industry for the garden world. And so we were like, okay, we're living through this pandemic. Our mission was to teach people. My life's calling is to teach people how to grow food. What are we going to do if people can't get together? Plus 18 million people, are they getting good education? Are they getting stuff that's going to make them succeed? So they, they, you know, live on as gardeners. So we thought, well, why don't we do, this event. We'll give it a shot. And so we did it for the first time in 2021. At that time, it was a three-day event. And I think we had like 36 speakers. And the idea being, you know, it's like curated. There's a lot of stuff out there. How do you find the best education? And then how do we coach people to be maybe speaking to a national audience? We didn't know, you know, we were Chicago-based. So we thought it would be 
you know, mid sort of Midwest. And it turned out to be all over the place. We're like, oh, wow, that was interesting. So we're like, well, let's do it again. So we did it again in 2022 and we decided we were going to stretch it out. So it wouldn't kill us because it was a lot to do 36 sessions in three days. We spread it out over 10 days. We're like, let's see how it goes. And then that year we had 22,000, 27,000 people participate. So we're like, there's a need here. You know, like we knew it. I knew it because I just lived through a decade of, you know, running a nonprofit and speaking all over the country about it. Like, okay. And so this year we did it again. We did the same 10 day format. We, um, you know, find the best speakers like Wendy and, you know, people that are recognized, um, you know, socially, but also authors and horticulturalists, you know, we just really want the best content for people. And so we just finished on the 19th and this year we had 56,000 people participate and um you know it's it's just amazing how no matter how much information is out there there's always somebody new or somebody that wants to learn something specific mm-hmm. you know people really like long form content it's like what you're doing there's so much yeah. uh, right now like short form content on social or what have you but people like to get together and learn and have an opportunity to chat together and you know people spend an average of 27 minutes viewing those sessions, which is kind of unheard of in the, you know, the doom scroll society that we live in, you know, like just the fast pace. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so we just finished the event and it was a wild success. And now we're planning for 2024 and yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, it's really great. I really like the whole idea of it too. Like you said, it's, it's a virtual festival. There's so much going on, so many different speakers talking about all sorts of different aspects of gardening, you know, and, and you guys put it together really well. I really enjoyed some of the sessions this year and, uh, and uh, really looking forward to what you got uh, growing on with it this next season as well, too. So, again, I encourage everybody who's watching, too, you can check out down below to a link to uh, the Great Grow Along. I believe that's it, just greatgrowalong.com, right? And uh, check out all the different things that they have going on this year. And are these uh, uh, are these still available online? Are there... Uh, we left them available till uh, the 31st. So people, if they couldn't catch it live, they could watch it. And now it's on demand. So if people are interested in that. We have all three years, like 100, what is it, 90, 120 great sessions. So yeah. it's available on demand as well. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So definitely go check that out and check out some of the great different speakers that they have. You can go and check out our friend Wendy Fan as well, too. She puts on a great session. She's really good uh, speaker and uh, really gives a lot of great information. She's probably one of my favorite small space gardeners. It's just amazing what she can do with just a little bit of space. So who are some of your other favorite small space gardeners? Oh, you know, there's there's quite a bit of people I watch so much it's hard to even list like who and all of that but um you know I follow so many like YouTube channels so many Instagrammers you know it's really kind of the concept of this show and everything was to kind of get together all of my favorite people and be able to put them on and highlight and tell their stories and talk about the different things that they're doing and growing and everything in their in their spaces so you know, that's kind of what you get. Some of the people that you've seen here on my on my uh, show so far and some of the guests that we'll have coming up in the future, you know, and uh, many, many more, too. And uh, 
hopefully again that's kind of been my mission too is that you know there's so many wonderful people in the gardening community it's my like i said before it's my favorite community everybody is wonderful everybody is awesome and i just want to be able to talk to everybody i want to be able to share their experiences share their gardening and all of that too so well can i just say kudos to you for i mean i know how hard it is to do a virtual event and the organizing and all that but kudos to you for doing it on a weekly basis because yeah. You know, like Joey was saying, it's not just the hour, the hour, you know, I'm talking a lot. So maybe a little bit more than an hour today. But, you know, oh, yeah. it's not just that. It's, as you say, the passion for the people. It's the organizing. It's the promotion. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. You know, they've been doing it for seven years. Mike Novak's been doing it for a long time. You've been doing it for a while. That's yeah. you deserve a round of applause because it's not easy. <laughs> you. you know, like it's not easy to do that. Yeah, it's not easy. And I can't do it myself either, too. So the round of applause is also shared with my wonderful producer, Asia, who's just right across the way helping us handle everything here, too. And then in the chat to our moderator and other producer that we have, Michelle, she's just awesome as well, too. And they really helped me put together this show. And like you said, it's a lot of work to do this sort of stuff. You know, we, we put a lot into it, you know, and I'm sure as you can tell, you know, just through our communication, you know, emails get lost trying to make sure things are all lined up just right there's so many things that kind of create a little bit of pressure when it comes down to it but, yeah. when, but when the cameras get, go live we were all about having fun and enjoying ourselves and having a great conversation about all of our you know all of our fun that we have in the garden and the different projects that we get to do and again i'm just really thankful for you and your book and all of the different things that you do to organize all of those great gardeners for your great grow along another just wonderful event and um real quick though too you know i'll give you a chance here to give any sort of advice or uh, tips that you have for newer gardeners or anything anything you want to let anybody know about gardening or future projects or anything that you might also have well my bit of advice is i was thinking this earlier when we were chatting about success you know mm -hmm. new gardeners enthusiasm sometimes is a barrier to success <laughs> you know like yeah. i so many times had people where you had a four by eight bed and people would come with enough plants for five times as that, you know, like the enthusiasm new gardeners have is so great, but it also, you know, sometimes makes them tired, makes them not succeed, you know, makes them learn some tough lessons. So I would just say, right. you know, take it easy on yourself. It's not a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah. It's a marathon, you know, like just start slow, start with the stuff you want to eat and then you got time, you know, like yeah. you got time. Don't let that spring fever <laughs> make you crazy. <laughs> so that would be my advice for um, new gardeners in terms of projects. You know, we're doing this, um, you know, the great grow along this next year. We're going to have even more sort of beautiful, inspirational content because there's a lot of how to stuff out there. You know, like we want to have how to and have it be the best how to, but also just you know, let people see stuff they might not see otherwise, because having been in the garden world now for, I don't know, 15 years, as, as you know, there's a lot of amazing stuff out there. There's a lot of amazing public gardens. There's a lot of amazing trial gardens. There's a lot of amazing just ways of thinking about problem solving and stuff like that. So I'm excited about, you know, the evolution for the next year. We're also, I'm really excited about this. There's a potential we might do a UK version. And oh, yes. I am very much an Anglophile, especially when it comes to their gardens. So that could be a lot of fun. 
So I'm hoping yes. that that's going to pan out. The other thing I'm really excited about, um, you know, having written books and many of our speakers this year, I think 22 of our speakers were also authors. You know, that process yeah. of turning thoughts in your head into a tangible thing is yeah. a very strange process. It's like being part of a weird club, you know? So um, <laughs> we had started a channel on our YouTube channel called Garden Book Joy, where I'm talking to garden authors about their books and that sort of process. So we're going to get back to that now that the event's over. And I also feel very passionate. Uh, you know, I went to University of Oregon and I volunteered on an environmental publication for many years as a, as a college student. And it's always, you know, being growing up in Oregon and being around the beauty and it's very environmentally friendly here. It always has been, yeah. you know, like my parents composted and didn't think it was a thing, you know, like you just yeah. did those things. You're very frugal with recycling and reusing stuff. And so um, I'm really interested in the sustainability aspects of um, how we change the industry, if you will. You know, many of our sponsors this year are have a sustainability bent to what they do and it's not easy to do. So I'm doing a session in April at the um, with Garden.com, which is an association for garden communicators. And if you're not a member, then let me talk to you about that offline yeah. at some point. But we're talking about some of the challenges like consumers want in sustainable products, but the yeah. speed to getting them to be truly sustainable and not greenwashing from an industry perspective is tough. So I'm excited to start talking about that, you know, like help yeah. consumers know what those products are, but also understand the challenges of bringing something to market. You know, you can't just yeah. snap your fingers. There's supply chain, there's production <laughs> issues, there's distribution, there's awareness, there's all of those things. So I'm super excited to start that conversation. So, you know, we can, as a community, you know, think about sustainability in the garden. Yeah. Yeah. You got so many awesome things and, and uh, you know, you're so right about all that behind the scenes type of stuff when it comes to all the different things that go on, whether it's doing a show or putting out some sort of product or writing a book, you know, and doing all those things, starting a community garden, you know, and, you know, it's really great that you're involved with a lot of that stuff and help people understand those sort of things as the, as that process is uh, going through and uh, you know, really awesome for you to join with us here and talk about all of these great things that you've got growing on and uh, really enjoyed having you here, joy. <laughs> and um, thank you again for being with us here on the let's get growing show. I appreciate it. And I know that I was probably a problem child trying to get you the information you needed. We had some junk mail oh, issues, but I appreciate your tenacity no. and I think you're doing a great job. And, you know, uh, you know, this movement with gardening and people finding common ground, pardon the pun, but common ground, no matter what their demographic is or their politics or their location, you know, like I think, as I said before, the world's a happier place with more gardeners in it. So thanks for doing your part in making the world a happier place. Oh, awesome. Again, thank you so much. I really appreciate the compliments and I have just as many for you and all the work that you do. And again, being such a big part of my garden experience and everything too, it was definitely awesome to be able to get you on for our first season of our show, because, you know, again, uh, like I said, you had a big part to play in how I got started gardening with our community garden. You uh, really wrote a really great book and I encourage everybody as well to go grab this book, buy it, 
organize, get together, put together a community garden in your community and help us grow the gardening community with more wonderful gardeners. It's really awesome. And thanks again, Joy, for being here with us. Thank you. I look forward to uh, talking in the future. Awesome. Excellent. And all right. All right. What a great conversation with Joy there and talking about all those different things. And she's absolutely right. You know, we want to grow more wonderful gardeners in the garden community. There's such, you know, so many great things and so many aspects of gardening, you know, even though there might be some challenges and some things that we need to overcome when it comes to gardening and all that, especially if you're new to gardening, gardening is really fun. It's enjoyable. It's a, it's a passion that, um, know that really just grows on you once you just get started you know putting your hands in the soil and getting something growing and it's something really wonderful to see again as we talked about how you know once you get started with gardening that passion grows and then kind of just leads you into different places you know like we talked about with joey and holly you know next thing you know you got a radio show or you know with uh, joy you're uh, writing a book you know, or with our guest uh, Carly earlier, you know, you're starting this Instagram and people are paying attention to what you're doing and you're really helping contribute to some really great things when it comes to the garden community. And we want to really thank again, all of our awesome guests, you know, Carly McCurry of the Little Green Shoot from Instagram, Joey and Holly Baird of the Wisconsin Vegetable Gardener and Joy, uh, Lamanda Joy, author again of the uh, Start a Community Food Garden. It's such a wonderful, great show. Be sure to um, check out all the links down below in the description to all the things that they've got growing on and you can go and follow them and uh, let them know that you saw them here on our show, the Let's Get Growing Live show. And um, so I hope you all have really enjoyed our show today and uh, be sure to give us a big thumbs up for all of the great guests that we've had here on the show. And again, hit that subscribe button so you can follow along with all the different garden adventures that we have here on the Urban Gardener channel and also share, 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 be a friend and share this with all of your friends and let them know that we're here each Saturday morning with some really awesome guests and great gardening conversations. Next week, we'll be talking with author of the book, Leaf, Your Troubles Behind, Karen Hug, as well as our channel of the week, Wicked Awesome Gardening. Danielle will be joining with us, and we'll be going to be following Homesteading RD here on our Instagram segment. So be sure to join back with us again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time for all of you on the East Coast. And I hope from all of us here at Let's Get Growing that you have a great week. We'll see you all again next Saturday. <laughs>